You are listening to a special episode of Paz de Chipotle, the show that will take you to discover the edible treasures of Mexico. My guests this week, two social and gastronomic entrepreneurs, Viridiana Velarde from Merci Mercado and Robert Nathan, founder of the charity Little Hurts, based in Austin, Texas, who are changing our perspectives about adding insects into our diets. This is your host, Rocío Carvajal, food historian, cook, and author. You can find more information about this project at pazdechipotle.com. Find the show on Twitter as Chipotle Podcast. My guests this week can be reached at mercimercado.com, where you can purchase great quality artisan food products, and littlehurts.org. In this website, you can find all sorts of resources to get you started into the delicious world of edible insects. This week's special episode of Pasta Chipotle features two very special guests who are helping transform the way people understand and engage with food, but more specifically, a source of food that has for millennia been deeply rooted in the gastronomic traditions of many countries. I am referring to entomophagy, or the consumption of edible insects. The 2030 United Nations Agenda for the Sustainable Development Goals pays special attention to achieving food security, ending hunger, and promote sustainable agriculture. And this is not a minor problem, as one in nine people in the world are malnourished. That makes it 795 million in total, and is the annual cause of death for 3.1 million children. Food security is a complex problem, but it's reversible, and more importantly, it is preventable. Malnourishment and food crisis aren't exclusive to the developing world. It is estimated that between the US and Europe are 14.7 million people suffering from food scarcity. That is, they don't have enough food. Latin America has 34.3 million people affected, and Asia has the largest number rising to 511.7 million people in crisis. Finding sources of sustainable food is crucial, and rethinking the global farming industry is essential. Farming insects has proven to be one of the most successful models with greater benefits for both our health and the environment. Because insects require 12 times less feed than cattle. Insect husbandry, quote-unquote, produces 1,200 eggs a month versus just one calf a year. An insect colony requires 235 meters squares less than cattle. And if that isn't enough to convince you about the benefits of farming insects, between 25 and 80% of an insect's body contains edible proteins. I had a fascinating talk with Robert Nathan Allen, founder and director of a certified educational charity based in Austin, Texas. Little Hurt's work has been centered on teaching children and the public about the benefits of consuming insects. And also joining me was Viridiana Velarde, co-founder of Merci Mercado, 
an online boutique specialized in exceptional ingredients and artisan products, many of which include edible insects. And now, I will let you to the interview. Thank you so much for having us on today. We're very excited to be able to share with your audience. Thank you. Thank you, Rocio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, Nathan, let me begin by asking something to give the listeners some background about you. How did you go from international studies to the food industry and how your involvement in entomophagy and sustainable insect farming uh, develop? Um, I can see some threads uh, here and there, uh, but please tell us how you got where you are now. Yeah, it's it's actually a rather funny story of, I think, just a perfect happenstance. Uh, you know, after I graduated from school, I moved to Austin and had some great unpaid internships and eventually just went back to bartending to pay the bills. And I was a bartender for a few years. You know, I, I had no background in uh, entomology or farming or agriculture or food science. And I think conceptually, you know, I knew that people in other countries ate insects and that, uh, you know, they were a protein source if I was lost in the woods and starving or something. But I'd never considered it a food, not an unusual uh, way to view them from, from an American stance. And in 2012, my mother sent me a video as a joke saying, this looks like something you and your, your dad would try, but no thank you. And it talked about eating insects. Uh, the video did a great job of laying out the nutritional benefits of insects, the resource efficiency of farming the insects, the fact that people eat them all over the world and, and have been doing so for generations, millennia. And, and finally, it talked about abstracting insects for a hesitant Western consumer into insect powders or insect flowers. And so, you know, I was I was already very interested in sustainability in uh in our agricultural production systems and how we can feed more people with less and so I, i i just took it very seriously and i i thought it was a great idea i started researching it more and at this time in 2012 there were no farms in north america that were specifically farming insects for human consumption uh, there were no products on the market at least in the u.s besides those novelty you know scorpion lollipops or candy dance that have been around for decades and so You know, I was I was really amazed that no one had really taken this idea further. And so I started, uh, you know, cold calling entomology departments and saying, hey, I want to serve bugs on the menu in Austin. What do I do? And got some really interesting replies. Eventually, I was connected with uh, a lot of the, the researchers and, and academics who have been talking about this idea for, for decades within academia. Uh, it just hadn't really spilled into the into the popular, uh, you know, imagination. And so I, I ended up meeting a lot of the entrepreneurs that are now the, the you know, the industry's um, leaders, some of these folks that are now f running f insect farms and uh, creating insect protein bars and chips and cookies and pastas that are available for purchase now. So yeah, it, it, it really kind of uh, came together. I saw that there was a need for uh, public awareness and public education resources for uh, for parents or for educators or even for for policymakers on how we can start looking at this critically not not looking at insects as a pest to be 
feared, but rather as a resource that's been untapped. Now that I uh, come to think of it, it was a very brave decision for you to do it in Texas, of all places. Well, no, and you were mentioning earlier, you know, some of the statistics about hunger and food insecurity, and, and especially here in America, I think we, we often turn a blind eye to our own domestic issues, and, and we like to think of that as a problem that other people are dealing with. But even here in Texas, one in five households is considered food insecure because they don't get the nutrients they need through the food that they have access to, whether it's overly processed or if they live in a food desert and don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And one in four children in Texas grows up in a food insecure household. If 25% of the next generation is growing up without the nutrients, the proteins, the fats that they need for their brain to develop, for them to be able to pay attention and, and get a good education, you know, we're really selling that next generation short. And, and what we've really found with Little Herds is that children are very receptive to this idea. They don't have that psychological taboo against eating insects that most adults have acquired over time. Of course, yeah. And so, especially the youngest children, they will walk up to a bowl of crickets having no idea what it is and start chowing down on the insects while the parents are standing behind them. They're the ones that are freaking out. And it's, it's great because I can say, no, no, look, look, it's healthy. It's good for the environment. Uh, they're more humane than other animal options. And your kid obviously loves them. Imagine if getting them to eat their Brussels sprouts or broccoli was this easy. And, and the parents are usually okay with it at that point. And a lot of them, once they see how much the kid likes it, you know, because if it didn't taste good, the kid would spit it out. Then the parents are more interested and they're more amenable to the idea of trying something with insects in it. And so I think that really helps, uh, you know, open up the door for starting those conversations about how we can really, uh, you know, bring our, our agricultural food system in line with the values that, that we have as a, as a greater population. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was actually a very interesting point I wanted to, to highlight on, on, on the work you're doing. It's your bet on uh, providing like a thorough uh, food literacy uh, to children specifically. So if you, if you want to really achieve a change that is sustainable, that is going to go like to the root, well, children uh, are the group you want to target. Yeah, abs absolutely. And, and if you think of something like other food and you know from from the American perspective other foods that have been seen as disgusting or gross or even dangerous mm -hmm. something like raw fish and sushi in the 1960s in America nobody ate raw fish that was common knowledge that you didn't eat raw fish and so sushi was a very strange and scary idea for a lot of people and it took about 20 years for it to really become something that was considered more of a normal food and and now it's something that I can go to my grocery store and get at any time so we know that there's a, a generational you know, shift there mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that happened. And we see that again with, with insects. We see that children are more receptive and that next generation of chefs and farmers and entrepreneurs uh, and parents and consumers, if they can grow up with the idea of insects as a food being normalized in the same way that I grew up with sushi right. being yep. normalized, then in 5, 10, 20 years, we have a situation where um, we not only have the the means, but we have the the demand for these types of sustainable proteins. Absolutely. Now, I guess something uh, you have in your favor, uh, as opposed to precisely, you know, the example of sushi, is that there is way more awareness also from academia 
and, and from even uh, international institutions to promote uh, these type of projects. I remember uh, back in uh, 2013, the very famous uh, Hall Prize chose uh, a group uh, called Aspire Food Group as winners uh, of, of that year's prize. They pretty much started like a, an MBA uh, group of students who were, got interested in, in uh, edible insects and they went ahead to develop a world-leading organization uh, providing wonderful high protein and micronutrient insect-based products and incidentally well of course you became part of the team for a while so like with all this involvement uh, with uh, this international sort of movement I'm very curious about how it changed or inspired you to develop your own project yeah and and you you make a great point that the timing of this movement is is very prescient um, I don't think that if we were trying to convince people to eat insects 20 years ago we would have had any success compared to what we've seen today. Um, like you said, our broader food conversations have already been shifting towards transparency and safety and nutrition and you know corporate responsibility. More and more people are asking where their food comes from, how it gets to their plate, what happens to it afterwards. And so we're already in a broader conversation looking at sustainability and nutrition and ethics. And, and all of these insects fit well into. So we're bringing this idea into the conversation, not as a silver bullet, but as a puzzle piece mm -hmm. that fits in with so many other puzzle pieces. And without this piece, we don't see a, a whole picture. Um, and so the, the, the opportunity I had, I had to join the Aspire Food Group team, um, after they won the prize in 2013, they started uh, insect farming projects in Ghana and in Mexico, looking at how we mm -hmm. could use insect domestication uh, to, to work from wild harvesting practices uh, towards a domestication model to ensure the availability of those insects year round instead of only seasonally and to okay. allow people to farm those insects within their own homes and communities instead of having to go out and harvest those from the wild. So not only providing that food and economic security source year round, but also preventing that biodiversity loss that we do already see happening in parts of the world where insects are being over harvested as a food source. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when, when Aspire Food Group uh, you know, recognized that the U.S. was starting to talk about this, uh, you know, less of a gag or a novelty or a fad, less as a fear factor stunt or a reality show stunt, and more as an actual food resource that we just have to learn more about. Um, they saw that Austin was an area that was very open and receptive to the idea. Uh, Little Herds was here. There was uh, another startup called World Entomophagy that was the first company in the U.S. to really pilot the cricket flour or cricket powder. And so Austin mm -hmm. just made a lot of sense. And uh, the team started their first cricket farm here. And it was the first farm in the U.S. that was both farming insects for food specifically mm -hmm. and processing them into those usable ingredients that could be uh, taken by chefs and bakers or even home consumers and turned into other things. And so for me, you know, going from the the educational nonprofit aspects of Little Herds, uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to join their team, start this farm, and really learn all of the, the ins and outs and the, the nitty gritty that a lot of these other entrepreneurs and startup farms are having to go through. You know, I, I learned how you farm the crickets, not just on a small scale, but how you have, how you can scale that up to a commercial scale. Uh, you know, all of the different uh, hurdles and roadblocks that come and, and all of the 
you know, the permitting and the regulations and the imports and exports and the, the hurdles of trying to process this this ingredient that had never been commercially processed. You know, you, there, there was no equipment designed for processing crickets. So we had to, you know, really create these processes from scratch ourselves. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the interesting experience of trying to market this as a new product directly to consumers and educating the, 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 the buying population. So after a year and a half with Aspire, I'd, I'd learned a lot of the things that I'm now able to help other organizations and other startups with. And, and though I, I had a great experience with them learning all of these valuable tools and, and all this valuable knowledge, I realized that, that my, my personal passion was really to see this, this industry, this movement grow as a whole um, and be able to, to promote uh, all of the different players in the, in the space instead of just one particular company. And so at the beginning of 2016, I left Aspire Food Group on good terms uh, and came back to Little Herds to, to grow it into a full-fledged organization. And uh, Aspire Food Group has, has certainly been one of our supporters since then, along with all of the other uh, startups and, and entrepreneurs in this industry. So it's been really inspiring for me to see you know, the industry grow not only in, in public perception, but also in, in its means of, of producing insects uh, at a better price point, more efficiently, and creating a wider diversity of applications for these ingredients. So that now it's not just protein bars, it's chips and cookies and crackers and pastas and ingredients that can be used in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Turning it into a, an ubiquitous and affordable uh, product, no? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I also see uh, another aspect that is uh, radically different from uh, previous generations uh, when it comes to the way people uh, engage and start businesses. Um, our generation uh, and the current <laughs> generations are now adding a very important ingredient that uh, it was, if not dismissed, it just simply wasn't there like a key component and that is social responsibility as you very well said mm -hmm. and you in a way sort of found your call uh, trying to integrate a, a much more uh, holistic uh, I, I don't mm -hmm. I like the concept of the world I mean I don't I don't mean it in a hippie in a hippie way <laughs> but you know like covering all the bases sort of making sure everybody will benefit from from the whole process yeah absolutely and, th and that has been key to our success you know our ability to look at this not as um, a specific solution for one problem but like you said, holistically, we're looking at this as uh, just an untapped resource. You know, for so long, the Western mindset and particularly mm -hmm. the American mindset when it comes to insects has been a pest to destroy, to, to be feared. And by, yeah, yeah. Uh, by showing people how we can use this in beneficial ways, whether it's as a, a food for people, as a feed for our pets, our dogs and cats, for a feed for our livestock that is uh, more efficient and, and less damaging to the environment, or even applications beyond that, the potential for applications in biofuels, medical applications and cancer research. Um, you know, there's, there's all these different mm -hmm. ways that insects as a resource can benefit our lives in a variety of ways. And in order for us to, to realize that potential, we have to shift the way that we think about the, the insects. And so, you know, also to your point that the timing, uh, you know, and, and where we are now in, in the 21st century, 
you know, we couldn't have done this without social media and the internet, the ability to share information with other people and other cultures yeah. in real time and the ability for us to learn from cultures that have continued to use insects as a food. A core part of our mission is to dispel those misconceptions that a lot of Americans and Western food culture have regarding insects in other countries. A lot of people think of it as something that is, you know, barbaric or uh, a food of last resort. And that's really not the case. You know, in over and over, we see that in, in cultures where insects are continue to be used as a food, they're seen and celebrated as a traditional beloved food. Um, and a lot of times the market price is higher than pork or beef or chicken. And so really educating the, the public here can help shift that perception. And then finally, with, with the you know, advent of the internet and social media, and particularly something like crowdfunding, um, this industry has not been started mm -hmm. by your multinational corporations, you know, Pepsi and Coke and Frito-Lay. None of these companies are creating products. The, yeah. This industry has been started by, uh, you know, idealistic entrepreneurs in their garage starting to farm crickets in their in their home or or doing crowdfunding yeah. campaigns. And it's the public that has said, yes, we believe in this idea. We're willing to put our money to bring these products to market. And so, you know, just in the past four years, um, we've seen North America mm -hmm. alone, uh, you know, something like 40 plus companies uh, crowdfunding over six and a half or, or over $650,000 um, to bring a variety of products to market, wow. to yeah. do documentary films about these, to start farms. And so it's been truly inspiring to see that this is an idea that is, is really generating from a grassroots level. It's the public that is saying, I want my purchasing power to to positively impact our health and the planet. Um, and so I'm willing to, to help bring these products to market. And many of these companies have gone on to receive additional investments and more and more uh, of the, the broader food industry and agricultural industry is starting to recognize the potential for these tools, whether as a food or a feed. Um, and it's, it's starting to move past that, that bright line uh, of no return, where it, it won't be considered a fad or, or a joke, where it's actually being legitimately identified as a solution. Yeah, absolutely. And I see that, well, they're on the other spectrum or, or the other side, not only the producers, uh, there's this new class of very socially aware networks actually trying to, to bring more equity to the market. I can see the producers uh, like you doing all that work and I can see uh, these new uh, boutique shops trying to promote this. So in a way, both are educating me, they're educating us in being socially responsible uh, with our choices. Well, where do we, who do we pay? Now, where do we put our money and, and what impact is that, that money making? So that takes us to, to the other to the other part of all this process, uh, which is uh, precisely pr uh, projects like uh, Merci Mercado. Um, well, Viridiana, I would really like you to share with, with the audience your experience of how did you come across uh, starting this project, connecting producers and pretty much changing the perceptions of people about understanding of all these products beyond just being exotic. Yeah, well, um... The challenge here is always uh, to reach as many people as possible. And uh, for that reason, Merci Mercado is active in social media and has uh, 
always has uh, participating in uh, tasting events so people get to know uh, our company and products and it's been challenging uh, you know to approach with uh, with people and trying to change the the way they think about insects and so they can see something more uh, produce more uh, approachable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, although you are online, meaning people can purchase your products from anywhere in the world, people might not be very aware of the fact that in Mexico, uh, we have a very big culture of eating insects. However, uh, just like in America, they face different challenges, like understanding that protein not only comes from beef, <laughs> but <laughs> can come <laughs> from insects. Here in Mexico, I suppose, like the cultural barrier uh, to sort of uh, introducing insects in your diet might be more related to class conception, like, oh, well, I can afford meat, I don't need to eat insects, or, you know, like, which have been the main challenges you have to face? Well, I think the appearances matter at first, so since we are talking about an insect, and for any new product in the market, there is a barrier to accept it. Uh, however, uh, Merci Mercado has been successful in taking that barrier down when our potential customers learn first about the high quality of the product, the fact that it has been carefully selected, uh, clean up, pre-cooked and dry up before packing. So when they see that the product looks friendlier as it is dehydrated and second, when they see the benefits that uh, you have mentioned before from sustainability, positive impact on the communities and uh, high protein content. And most importantly, when they try them, they realize the products are really tasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> on top so we of have everything. In our portfolio, other products that incorporate grasshoppers or chapulines and red agave worms, such as sal de gusano or warm salt and salsas, uh, which uh, has also helped overcome the mental barrier and, you know, and has allowed us, uh, our company, to start. Um, promoting it. So how did you come uh, across each other? How did you uh, partner up? You, you know, part of Little Herds is, is that we work with a lot of different chefs, uh, you know, because we, we understand that uh, in many ways, the chef is the ambassador for something uh-huh. like this, a new food. Um, we saw this with sushi where chefs um, were able to make it something desirable, Absolutely. even aspirational as a food. Uh, and there are, you know, numerous chefs around the U.S. who have um, really celebrated the Oaxacan tradition uh, of Chapulinas, um, OML in DC, you know, even here in Texas, in Houston, we have Hugo's, uh, Chef Rick Lopez has had Chapulinas as a secret menu item. So if you know to ask for them, they will, they will make Chapulinas tacos or, uh, Chapulinas salsa. And so, you know, when we, when we work with these chefs, one of the things we're trying to do is, is get them to use insects, but then those chefs who already use insects, we're trying to learn how, how, where they get those insects from so we can help supply other chefs. And so, it was it was great that I was introduced to uh, Mercy Mercado Mercado Mio through some of these chefs, and and I was able to start, you know, having conversations with Diana and, and the hobby, and uh, you know, and it was great that they were so receptive to supporting Little Herd's activities. Uh, you know, very quickly they they were sending us ingredients that before had been very difficult or very expensive for us to access, um, and this really allowed us to put those. In, those products like the chapulinas and the salsas um, in front of the consumers to show them uh, and let them taste them and see how delicious they are. 
And, you know, even just this last year, we had uh, the 29th annual bug buffet at the Montana State University. And this was the first year that they had Chapulinas grasshoppers because we were able to connect Mercado Mio and Mercy Mercado to the event. Um, We'll be highlighting their products at our 10th annual bug eating festival in Austin on June 10th. Uh, And we see some great... Uh, you know, evidence in the in the broader media uh, that these types of foods are, are starting to be more accepted. Uh, recently, the Seattle Mariners, the, the baseball team, their stadium started working with uh, a local company um, and they started selling chapolinas as a snack. Uh, I think it, the, the name of the, the little restaurant is Poquito. And so they, you know, they debuted this and sold out the wow. first night and then they sold out the second night. And by, by the second night, ESPN and Sports News and Sports Center and all these, you know, big <laughs> national media outlets are talking about, you know, the Seattle Mariners are, are selling grasshoppers and selling out. And they sold out four nights in a row because this item was so popular, which which is inspiring. You know, four or five years ago, I never would have imagined that. Um, and so now they've even had to institute a limit on the number of orders that they'll sell every night. And so I, I think it's 312 orders are available each game, and that's to to celebrate one of their um, one of their favorite all-time players' batting average. Um, so as we see these types of, of introductions to the broader public, uh, and and seeing how receptive uh, the public is to it, I think more and more we're going to see you know more of those chefs, more of these. Uh, opportunities for people to try them in very positive environments. You know, when you try something like that at a ball game, it's a very inviting environment. It's very fun. It's very festive. If you eat them in a restaurant, you know that the chef does delicious food all the time. So it's a lot easier to try insects in those settings than, you know, if I go up to you, a stranger on the street and say, hey, eat some bugs. And you're, you're like, no, thank you, crazy hippie. <laughs> yeah, cultural endorsement. Well, it has helped really a lot shifting, um, you know, our perceptions and our attitudes towards uh, food. In the case of Mexico, another insect uh, eating cultures is more about tradition and heritage and sort of recognizing that and in a way reconciling our identities from you know being oh we are so modern we don't need to do this as in like well this is great and has worked for for millennia mm-hmm. so let's let's uh, try it again here in mexico we have the case of uh, enrique olvera which is the uh, founder of pujol in Tulum, René Redzepi and his uh, pop-up version of Noma, which uh, where they're both sort of promoting uh, this idea from shifting uh, to just culinary curiosity, which is something I think you both have uh, come across, you know, people who are just curious, to actually promote a deeper understanding of not only our local uh, food system, but our global food system. I would like to know for you personally, for you both personally, which has been, I'm I'm sure there's loads, I hope there's loads (laughs) of moments uh, that that have been specifically, you know, exciting, like reaching a milestone in your project personally, you've seen the result in people, in the community or with your partners. Okay, well, for me, uh, bringing our products into the U.S. market and and uh, working with uh, small producers, chefs, uh, organizations like uh, Little Hearts and uh, Food Lovers, and yeah, yeah, and uh, I always have enjoyed international gastronomy and promoting Mexican food and culture, and I'm Mexican, 
and be able, being able to do that with uh, people who, who share the same passion as, uh, as they, they, uh, their co-founders and um, the rest of the people in the, in the food industry and in a project that started incorporating the products that have been part of the culinary traditions in Oaxaca, Mexico for centuries like grasshoppers and uh, again the agave worms and the fact our project has a positive impact on our, on our pro planet and also in the local community. So that is the most exciting part of the, of the project for me. So you, you, you found your place in, uh, you found your international tribe, <laughs> no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Thank you. And you, Nathan? That's that's a perfect segue because um, I I think really we we've had some great milestones over the years from successful crowdfunding campaigns to co-hosting the first U.S. conference on insects for food and feed. Um, but really, I'm I'm very proud of our most recent initiative. Uh, we have an awareness building campaign online. Hashtag bugs and hunger. And this, this is a collaboration between Little Herds and a nonprofit in Colorado in the US uh, called Seeds of Action. And um, we've, we've been fortunate enough to have um, a, a huge number of the, the producers and the farmers in this industry, including um, Mercado Mio, Mercy Mercado, as uh, a big supporter for this. The goal of this campaign has been to raise awareness for how easy and, and delicious it is, you know, how delicious insect products can be and how easy it is to add those into a Western diet um, that may be a little hesitant. But the, the end goal of the project is to actually create a farming insects guide, uh, something that can be a, a open source tool uh, that can illustrate using pictures and images how to start farming insects on a very basic level, um, on a home scale. Uh, in this way, it can be uh, easily able to cross language barriers. It can be used by people who uh, are illiterate um, and it can be easily customized to different insect species, different regions and different cultures. And so, you know, it's been it's been overwhelming for us to have the support of uh, organizations like uh, Mercy Mercado. And, and we now have over 40 plus companies that are all working on insects for food or feed um, from countries around the world that are supporting this this coalition, this, this initiative. And so the campaign is running from the beginning of May to the end of July. And just in the first two weeks, you know, having dozens of these companies uh, join us and, and publicly say, we believe in this project. We're willing to put our voice behind this. We're willing to put our product behind this. Um, and we believe that the, the, the end goal of this project aligns with our values of, of building a more sustainable, more equitable food system where people aren't um, being given a fish. They're being given the tools to start fishing. Rather, they're being given the tools to start farming their own insects. So in a way, uh, your background in uh, international studies uh, has been very very useful no you're <laughs> yes come full it's a come full so that, circle that a little is, bit. Uh, that is really exciting and uh no many people uh, beyond our you know immediate circles get to know about these things you, you just see like you know the results which are great and fabulous but there's also lots of people who can uh, be inspired and learn from experiences like yours you know like you don't need to be 
extra special because we are all special you just need to find your passion and and just like you don't have to have all the answers and all the solutions but find people who can help you and and and, and you know walk with you that walk and and grow together i, I guess believing in your project and uh, just pushing it absolutely no? one of the things we we like to say is that the um the reason that little herds and, and this movement has really been so successful in in the US and, and in the broader global community is is the idea of one plus one equals three. You know, I can do only so much myself, you can only do so much yourself, but if we combine our energy and our resources, we're not only preventing each other from from reinventing the wheel, but that rising tide raises all boats and we can see that over and over in the even in just the past few years where openness and collaboration has led to much greater benefits and returns than uh, individuals you know working within silos and i think because this is a new industry because we don't have um, you know necessarily the the old boys club um, you know the entrenched systems that we see with other agricultural sectors it's been a it's and like i mentioned you know so many of the people uh, trailblazing in this movement are are just passionate individuals We've seen so many dividends of that openness and collaboration, and, and things have been able to be accelerated very quickly uh, because people are willing to work together for that that greater goal. Oh, that's that's really inspiring. Uh, both of your work, I find it absolutely inspiring. I really hope our listeners are taking notes. We're reaching the end of the interview. I want to thank you both so much for being on the show. Uh, I know you've got really tight agenda, so thank you for making the time. I wish you nothing but long-term success with your project present and future. Thank you for sharing your your intimate stories with the audience of Pasta Chipotle. And I would very much like you to tell people how can they reach you on social media, which are your accounts, websites, emails, if you have any upcoming event. Uh, well, we already mentioned some hashtags, but it, please, uh, if you want to mention uh, extra information, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, our products can be found uh, easily on our website, which is uh, mercymercado.com. And um, you can also you can get them online, and, and uh, we have presence all across the, the U.S. Uh, in some uh, restaurants as well, and uh, little stores here in, in New York. Uh, next time you are visiting New York, visit one of uh, any of the restaurants. We have some. Uh, you can take a look at our website, and you can find uh, some of the restaurants there. And uh, also you can email us at info at mercymercado.com. And uh, checking our website, you can get through our links to uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just uh, Facebook is Mercy Mercado US. And then well, you can also get uh, our products through uh, Little Hertz and other places. And hopefully you can try them soon in any of the events. We are uh, planning a cooking class and uh, take a look at our website for upcoming events. We hope that we can have a presence in Europe in the near future. So. Oh, that would be very exciting okay Nathan how can they reach you so you can find out more information about little herds at littleherds.org and that's l-i-t-t-l-e-h-e-r-d-s dot o-r-g uh, if you'd like to to reach me uh, I'm at r-n-a at littleherds.org you can find us on Facebook facebook.com slash littleherds on Twitter at littleherds and on Instagram at little dot herds. Um, 
We're doing a, a bunch of events coming up. We're having our 10th annual Bug Eating Festival in Austin on June 10th. Um, we're very excited to have Chapolinas from Mercy Mercado at that event. We'll have some chefs that are doing some cooking demonstration using the products. Of course, as mentioned, you can also find their products through the Little Herds Marketplace. We have, uh, while we don't sell any products ourselves, uh, many of the companies in the industry, like Mercy Mercado, have provided Little Herds promo codes or links to affiliate pages. And when you purchase products through the Little Herds Marketplace, you not only get a small discount, but they will donate a small portion of those sales back to our educational programs and activities. And then finally, you can find out more about the Bugs End Hunger campaign at bugsendhunger.com or by finding any of the mentions with hashtag Bugs End Hunger. Okay, that's great. Uh, I hope uh, many people engage. Dear listeners, I really hope you have enjoyed this very interesting conversation and that has inspired you to get to know more about edible insects. Please go explore the range of ways you can engage with Little Hertz and Merci Mercado. Try a few of their products, all of their products, and get involved in knowing more about uh, edible insects, promoting edible insects, maybe in your school or your community. So please go engage with them. Thank you again, Viridiana and Nathan. It has been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, uh, stay tuned and we'll be back with the show after this short break. Continue your journey exploring Mexico's gastronomic heritage and traditions with Sabor. This is Mexican Food Magazine. The spring issue includes six full in-depth articles exploring the origins of Mexican traditional food, its staple ingredients and flavors that define it, and five delicious recipes to get you started into the wonderful world of Mexican cooking. Go to pazdechipotle.com forward slash magazine to take an exclusive preview of this issue. Purchase your digital copy now and enjoy it in all your devices. Go to pazdechipotle.com forward slash magazine and get ready to cook, learn and enjoy Mexican food like you never imagined. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Pasa Chipotle, a bi-weekly show dedicated to the exploration of Mexico's delicious gastronomic traditions. Support this show on Patreon, the largest platform that connects creators with bright audiences like you. To find more information about the show and Sabor, this is Mexican food magazine, please go to pazdechipotle.com. There will be a special blog post about this interview with free resources about edible insects and links to Merci Mercado and Little Herds. Don't miss the next episode where we will talk about Diane Kennedy, the English lady who came, saw and was conquered by Mexico's gastronomy. We'll find out what the Hasburg emperors ate during the ill-fate Mexican reign. And continuing this special episode, we will talk about which are the squidgy, crunchy and chewy insects that indigenous Mexicans ate way before it was cool. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, rate and share the show. Goodbye for me, or as we say in Mexico, hasta la próxima, amigos.